Kajillionaire, Soul from Disney Pixar, our top five World War II movies, and a fight over sci-fi channel movies, and much, much more. This is The Movie Show. You talking to me? Here looks like you boys have seen a lot of action. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Why so serious? I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Hello and welcome to The Movie Show with myself, Greg Fisher, and my colleague, Dave Roberts. We've got a fun-packed show, so we're going to get straight into it this week. Let's go. We kick things off with what have you been watching, where we talk and discuss about the cinema we've been watching this week. So, wow, Greg, what have you been watching? I watched uh, uh, an old film from 1988. It's like a French film called The Bear. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's quite a strange film, but really enjoyable because it's told from the perspective of this little orphaned bear cub. It's kind of like the Bambi thing at the at the very start. Its mother gets killed in an accident. Oh, yes. It's, it's not yeah. a hunting accident like Bambi, but hunting does come into it because uh, this little cub's left on its own to fend for itself, but it ends up becoming like best friends with this giant grizzly bear that these two hunters are are tracking through the uh, wilderness. I think it's like based in, you know, America in the late 1800s. And these guys set out to get this bear. It's got a uh, Checky Cario in it, which most people will know as the bad guy from Bad Boys, the Will Smith film. But oh, yeah. um, oh, it's really good fun. Like I said, told from the perspective of the bear. So you almost get performances from this bear cub and the big grizzly bear. And if you look on like IMDB and that, they're actually listed as the actors. <laughs> um, I mean, it, w- it was, you know, quite a while ago now, thir- over 30 years ago. So I'm not sure whether, um, you know, it would meet up to uh, animal rights standards these days in terms of, you know, forcing animals to perform and that. But I felt it was a really nice film in terms of it showed it from the bear's perspective and it and it's it's very much wilderness orientated and um, on the side of nature, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I, I caught up with that this week. I don't know what it was. I think uh, people were talking about things like The Edge and, and uh, there's one or two other bear movies out there that you can sort of see and it got me thinking about the bear and I thought, I'm going to watch that. So, What about you, mate? What have you been seeing? Well, I took the opportunity to watch the new Aaron Sorkin film on Netflix, right. uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Cool. Um, great political drama. It's uh, only Sorkin's second film as director, but obviously we all know him as... Uh, you know, fantastic writer, um, tremendous ability, uh, you know, writes dialogue at a million miles an hour. You know, I love uh, A Few Good Men, West Wing, uh, Newsroom from a couple of years ago, a big fan of. So uh, right up my street as soon as I kind of saw it advertised. And um, yeah, the film's based on the the story of the Chicago 7, where a group of eight defendants were charged by the federal government with um, conspiracy back in the 60s. So it was like Steve um, McQueen, Yul Brenner. James That's Cody. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was basically like a riot in Chicago over the Vietnam War. Obviously, there's a lot of them back then. And uh, kind of a famous uh, trial that ha- that happened. Um, you know, it was a counterculture movement, but obviously it descended into chaos, the police versus the, the protesters. Um, just like around. just like these days, Trump's America. Just, yeah, it's very kind of apt uh, release, I think. And kind of there's a lot of parallels in there between what's happening now and the current political discourse and obviously the, the, the what was happening at the time. Um, but great film, I, kind of as you expect from a Sorkin film, it's a courtroom drama, but the witty, zippy dialogue that 
he's you know amazing at creating. Um, it's got a great cast. You know, Satcha Baron Cohen, great performance. Eddie Redmayne, oh, yeah, Gordon yeah. Levitt, cool. Michael Keaton, Jeremy Strong. Um, um, big cast, tremendous cast, really strong. All of them giving electric performances. Um, but you know, the film is really driven by you know Sorkin and his dialogue, and you know he's got that um, knack of writing debates and speeches that just are so fresh and um, exciting that turns what could be boring kind of uh, stuff into really exciting stuff. But tremendous film, uh, you know, I reckon anyone to go check it out. It's on Netflix now. It's uh, only came out the other day. So it's a really good, really good film. Great. And if you want to know more in-depth thoughts about Dave's opinion of this film, you can read his review on um, moremovies.co.uk, which is sitting there as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> So there we go. That's what we've been watching this week. Two really great films. We recommend you go check them out. And uh, if you want to see more of our reviews, remember to check us over at moremovies.co.uk. Okay, now it's time for Movie of the Week. Uh, This week, we've got a film called Kajillionaire, which I've been looking forward to seeing for a long, long time. Haven't I, Dave? You have indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, directed, written and directed by Miranda July. Stars Evan Rachel Wood, Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger, of all people, and uh, Gina Rodriguez. A really good sort of quirky, independent-style comedy about a very, very dysfunctional family of, of fraudsters, scammers, shall we call them. Um, kind of really oddball humour, a really... Fantastic love story in the middle of it all. A film about emotions, a film about um, boundaries, a film about uh, dysfunctional families. Uh, As I say, I couldn't wait to see this. It's been building up for a little bit of time since we saw the trailer. Um, um, Dave and I have both had a chance to see it this week. Dave, what did you think of Kajillionaire? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's not my usual kind of film. I think we we talked about this. Like, it probably, it's not the film I would go to first of all. But I was intrigued when I saw the trailer. Um, I remember you sent it me a few months back, and uh, it you know did intrigue me as something to be interesting. And I was really kind of pleasantly surprised by it. It was a really enjoyable film. Um, I don't, you know, it's not some kind of masterpiece film or anything like that. But I think it was a really interesting film. I think it was a really different film. It's probably the key word I would prescribed yeah. to it you know yeah. it was it was so different from things that are, that are out there and things that are doing yeah, it's I've quite, not really seen it's quite original isn't it it's quite unique it is original and i've not really seen much of miranda july's uh work well, she hasn't before, done so a hell of a lot uh so far no. i mean she's been going for a while she's she's wrote books short stories she did um write and direct me you and everyone we know which was a great film had john hawks in it a couple of years ago it was kind of again an awkward sort of indie rom-com uh, there was another one um, called The Future, which I haven't seen yet, so I can't speak on, but I would be interested to see on the strength of um, Kajillionaire and you, me, and everyone we know. There was many moments in this film I just sat here, I was laughing out loud watching it with Richard as Jenkins saying, as yeah. the dad and stuff. Just moments that make you almost like choke laugh, kind of like, yeah, you know, you, know, out loud you don't know what funny. to expect next. I mean, That's it. You know, to set it up, basically, uh, Evan Rachel Wood is like a 26-year-old that's been brought up by these two people that are have brought her up to just basically be their, be their gopher, be their mole for all the little scams they do. They steal stuff from post offices. They're always trying to scam people. They owe their landlord loads of rent, and they live in this kind of uh, 
uh, office space, don't they, next to this bubble factory, which keeps leaking bubbles into the wall. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like a very derelict kind of warehousey kind of place, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, not homely at all. Completely just no. used uh, because it's 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 easy, and and that's I suppose represents the sparsity of their life and the transience. But um, yeah, I, I'd highly recommend it. I'd say anyone who like who enjoys a good quirky indie comedy should enjoy this. You know, so fans of anything from, you know, I don't know Wes Anderson to God knows what would would get into this sort of um, peculiar movie. Yeah, I think it's definitely in that kind of area. You know, you see someone like Wes Anderson stuff like that. That kind of it, it had that indie feel, that lovely. You know, it has that color palette these days. Yeah, that, um, and it was very nicely shot. Um, but more than anything, uh, you know, the performances drove oh, yeah. the film. I thought um, Evan Rachel Wood um, was just as amazing. Yeah. was amazing, and Gina Rodriguez uh, as well. So good. Their chemistry to me was just electric. Yeah, the kind of romance storyline going on was uh, was really beautiful. Yeah, it was. But it was really cool. Richard Denkins as the dad, and uh, Deborah Winger as the mum. You know, I guy. didn't even realize it was her until the credits came at the end because I I just didn't sort of take it in. And I was afterwards, I was like, that was Deborah Winger out of Officer and a Gentleman and all that stuff she did in all the 80s. And, and then I, to see her play in this kind of, you know, really weird sort of dowdy mother figure. She was a hell of a mother figure. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like Richard Jenkins reminded me of like a strange blend of Larry David and Chevy Chase. It was like so <laughs> funny and peculiar. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a perfect but, mashup. But it was really great, really great performances throughout. And, uh, yeah, different and quirky. So definitely one, I think. Yeah, go check it out. Definitely. And now it's time to go over to New York City to everybody's favorite crime boss. It's Don Corleone's Film Reviews. Hello. This is Don Corleone with uh, another film review for the Cinema Plus podcast. This week's film is called the Siege of Firebase Gloria was requested by one of our listeners. Well, it's about a bunch of kidnappers, these mamalukes right here. They go from village to village in the jungle and kidnap small children, sell them later on on the black market. It's a bit like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but with more Bang Bang. See, they get this small child and scoop him up and God knows what'll happen to him. You end up in a life of slavery. If anybody tried to do this with my children, uh, they would be suffering this very day. So, uh, child's father comes home from a hard day's work, finds out his son is missing. This is where the action begins. These guys think they're cute. They smuggle the child out on a helicopter. But now the thing happens in this jungle without this guy finding out about it. He's got his eyes on him. He calls his own family together. He knows why they've took this kid. Yeah, you guessed it. Firebase Gloria. So, uh, he puts the call out to his aunts, his uncles, his cousins, sisters, brothers. Come along with me. Bring your rifles. Cross the river to Firebase Gloria. We're gonna get my son back. Before they know it, this guy leads a full frontal assault. These kidnappers don't know what's hit him. They're in serious trouble now. As you can see, this is an incredibly large family. Must be at least 200 strong running up that hill. Some of them don't even have a 
weapons with them. I mean, there's explosions going off and bullets flying, but look at this guy in the blue shirt. Where the hell's he going? So they managed to breach the barricades and to start to dish out a bit of jungle justice to these kidnappers. I've got to say, uh, I don't really feel like this movie is very realistic. It's definitely not what it looks like when you shoot somebody and take it from me. I mean, watch this when this guy shoots these chicks and they just blow up. That, that's not possible. Not without a lot of gasoline. Anyway, the assault continues. Uh, they push in closer. Looking everywhere for this kid. A lot of blood being spilt. All for the sake of one child, but as you know, family is family. There's nothing more important than that, right? So the kid makes a break for it. The father's still fighting off the kidnappers one by one. Finally gets into a hand-to-hand -hand combat with this Japoni here. Gonna have to take him out with a blunt instrument. Now this guy, he sees the kids escaped. He's obviously on some kind of drugs because look at his face. But don't worry, the father's there in time. Watch out, fella. He's a good shot. Bang. Take it from me, you don't want to get shot there. Possibly the worst place you can get shot. So all's well that ends well. The father rescues his son. They managed to escape with their lives from Firebase Gloria. Uh, they've lost a lot of the family in the attempt, but at least they've been reunited. Everybody loves a story with a happy ending, right? Well, I give this movie Juan Corleone out of a possible five. Not the greatest. Hope you can join me again next week for another film review. Thanks for listening. Just... Wow. What? What? I don't know. Okay. And now it's time for movie news. We kick things off with the story that's come out this week about Disney and Pixar and their new film, Soul, which is due out at Christmas. Um, cinemas across Europe have um, released statements saying they are completely dismayed by the news that's come out that it's not going to be theatrically released and it's going straight to their streaming service, Disney Plus, uh, video on demand. And obviously cinemas uh, around the world really are kind of very upset at this because it's going to be a big, you know, winter release for them at Christmas, you know. And uh, yeah, the future of cinema, how is it going to change kind of thing? It kind of follows on from what we were talking about last week, doesn't it, Greg? Exactly. And I think there's two sides to the story here. There's the one side that says, oh, don't start just releasing these big movies on your own streaming platform because that's the way it's going to go and theatres are going to close and uh, it's going to change the way we consume this media. Or there's the other side of it that says, stay home, stay safe, don't catch the pandemic, the disease. This year, watch uh, Soul on, on, on demand. Yeah, there's a difference between the, kind of the short term and the long term and I think that's what people are kind of confused and it's like, well, yes, this is happening in the short term because of what is obviously happening at the moment and cinemas are closed so <laughs> and they're probably not going to open i think this is one uh, of the problems nowadays that 
when people start to talk about these problems, they, they talk about it as if that's the be-all and end-all. If yeah. this happens, it's all going to change forever. But that's, that's not the way things go. Things no. are constantly in flux. They're constantly developing. Sometimes they're uh, regressing back to what they were. Sometimes they're you know, moving forward and evolving to something new. Um, I don't think it's a major problem for theaters. You know, if if Disney just no. wants to try this one out, I mean, there is the implication that if it goes well, and they might do this in future. But you know, we are the ones that get to decide, not the big companies. We are the ones that get to decide what happens. If we want to Always continue to go yeah. to uh, theaters and watch movies, then we'll continue to do that. And as long as that demand is there, there will be theaters open for us to go and see. So we're the ones that decide, not the big. Uh, cheese at the company, you know, and it's. I think that's something people should remember. We're the ones with the power. Power to the people. Absolutely, and and I think there is an element of kind of is the landscape changing? Yes, it has been for the last five to six years, really. Netflix and Amazon Prime and stuff have come in, yeah, and changed part of the the atmosphere. Disney have obviously come out with Disney Plus in the last twelve months. They're wanting to push that. They're putting money behind it, so they're going to release big films on the platform. Sure. They've used that as an opportunity now because it's not going to be cinema to go, well, we'll push the platform at the same time. Will films come out on these platforms again in the future? Yes. yes absolutely. Of course. But I think there's a difference between, like, would I expect something like Bond or big blockbusters to come out on these platforms? Mm. No. That's event cinema, and sure. that's why they'll be releasing the theatres. Yeah. But other things, they may take more chances on and go, well, it doesn't cost as much, and we can put it out, yeah. on our platform and it can justify the money for it so yeah. there's pros and cons and benefits and all kinds of things to, sure to consider long term absolutely the other uh thing in the movie news this week i noticed that i wanted to bring up with you was the david arquette thing have you seen this um yeah you cannot kill david arquette i mean obviously at the moment he'd be working on screen five and and shooting that because uh, that's in the pipes and stuff at the moment but i also seen that he was doing this thing and i didn't actually know that he had this whole career in wrestling as well so you being such a wrestling fan me being a novice and knowing nothing about it i thought i'd uh, ask you about it and see what you thought yeah so he was in um it was back uh 1999 i think or 2000 he was in a, a film um i think it was ready to rumble i think it was called okay uh, it was a it was a terrible film it was produced by uh well it was wrestling of, of course it was terrible <laughs> what um, but it was kind of released in conjunction with WCW and Hulk Hogan was there at the time and they did this whole thing and as a kind of cross promotion they decided to bring David Arquette in and he had a match and stuff but then for some bizarre reason instead of just having one match let him punch someone and go away they decided to carry on going for probably a few months where he won the world championship <laughs> And was in all these crazy like cage matches and stuff. Wow! It, it he was, was obviously was enjoying bonkers. himself. Oh yeah, he loved it at the time. I think. I think since that, then, that smell of sweaty lycra was just <laughs> <laughs> too much to handle. Yeah. But I think, I think since then he's kind of like he said it was fun in some ways, but some of the kind of vitriol he got from some of the fans was perhaps yeah. um, a bit too much because it obviously they were like you're ruining our sport kind of thing and it was kind of like come on guys embrace embrace yeah. love circles but, energy good things keep it going it's kind of funny to see him coming back and doing some more stuff you know obviously, yeah uh, it's been quiet for quite a while and scheme five is obviously going to be coming out and that's a classic yeah uh, exactly kind of real laugh and um, it's interesting that he's kind of embraced it again and gone, let's, let's do something about it. Absolutely. So. I wonder what Courtney Cox thinks of it all. 
Courtney Cox, I love you. <laughs> okay, well that's our movie news this week. Let's get ready to film fight! Okay everybody, it's the film fight. This week's topic is the Sci-Fi Channel. I remember the Sci-Fi Channel being launched all those many, many years ago. And uh, I've watched Back its progress. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, very good. War of the Worlds. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I remember it coming out. And um, I've watched its progress ever since, pretty much, on and off over the years. Uh, I don't think it's... I mean, I'm not a massive fan of it, but I don't think it's all that bad. Dave, you don't like it at all, do you? I don't. Well, not at all. We're going to give you one minute to tell us why. Go. Well, you know they, they talk about films being so bad they're good, then um, that was a crazy. I think started really in the eighties with the kind of direct to video, mainly horror films. Um, I don't prescribe to that idea at all. I think if something's bad, it's bad generally. Um, there's not many things that are so bad they're good, uh, and I think Sci-Fi Channel fits straight into that category of they're just really bad films they try to make blockbuster level films disaster movies and all that kind of stuff but with the production budget of a student film from brighton you know it's just shocking and um terrible actors terrible dialogue terrible stories all come together with crap special effects to just make some of the worst movies i've perhaps ever seen you know sharknado age of the dragons monster island they're all you know even just the titles can tell you how bad of a film they're going to be. And they're also equally responsible for some of the worst sequels to ever come out, like Highlander 5, you know, Species 3, which is like the worst in their, their class, really. And that's your minute. There we go. <laughs> well, Highlander 5, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, the Highlander the Source. It's... <laughs> is that oh. based on the TV series? I think it was, yeah. Do I even want to know? I remember is it, is it, it even it, worth my time to look into? It really isn't now. All right. Okay, so here's my, here's my minute of rebuttal sparring with you. Okay, the Sci-Fi Channel, um, it has produced some excellent content over the years. Things like Sharked Puss, uh, Two-Headed Shark Attack, uh, Malibu Shark Attack. Sharknado, of course, which you mentioned, which is fantastic. I mean, this idea of things that are so bad they're good, I think that just comes down to taste. Some people, that's the only type of movies they watch. And and, and if people enjoy movies like that for that reason, I think that's totally fine. Anyway, I mean, you've got... They, they put stuff on over the years like Rod Serling's Night Gallery, which is a tie-in to The Twilight Zone, which Dave loves. Um, obviously, also, they had Star Trek. I don't know whether you knew, but the, on the original board, you had Gene Roddenberry and Isaac Asimov as advisors on the board. So that's pretty big guns coming there in terms of the world of sci-fi. So you had all the great Star Trek stuff on there. They also had some WWE wrestling on there at one point. They had SmackDown and all sorts as well. So come on, Dave, you, you, you're not ignoring Sci-Fi Channel uh, when the wrestling's on, surely. Uh, ACW and stuff like that. But yeah, I think, you know, it has its place. It has put some crap out. But is it as bad as movies for men? No, it's not. It's it's infinitely better than that. So. Well, the thing is, I think 
they may have done some okay TV programming, but usually it's like external. Well, source absolutely, they did. They did Battlestar Galactica, but and the, that's the, the new Battlestar really. Galactica, the good one that everybody loves. They they it, were it basically responsible for putting that out. So you know, yeah, and that was very good. But the you know the movies they produce has kind of focused more on the movies that they produce. Uh, that's where it gets terrible because they just can't afford it. Really, I, I, you and, know, Sharknado is a terrible film, but it's supposed to be. And have you ever sat it's down and watched it all? It is fantastic. I yeah. I did. It's it's awful. <laughs> it's a fantastic film. It was, you know, I would have probably enjoyed Pleasure in a Goat more than watching that film. You would have, yeah, you dirty uh, little pagan. It, it was, it, yeah. It's just. Uh, well, we'll leave it. We'll leave it to our viewers. Sci-Fi Channel, yay or nay? It's up to you guys. So now it's time for the quiz here on the movie show. We're gonna. Uh, this week, show some more stills, and uh, Greg's going to guess what the film is. Uh, we actually do this over on our Twitter, so if you want to follow us on at More Movies Four, we're going to do this every week. And if you're listening on our podcast on Spotify or one of those networks, uh, and you obviously can't see the images, come over to our YouTube channel and check out, and you can join in with us. Uh, feel free to join in at home and leave your scores in the comments below afterwards. But no cheating, right, Greg? Are you ready? I'm ready, sir. Let's get going. Okay, number one. Uh, it's old man Steptoe, Wilford Bramble. Harold. <laughs> uh, that's A Hard Day's Night? Correct. A Hard Day's Night, The Beatles. Of course, it's A Hard Day's Night, The Beatles. Okay, number two. Ooh, that's uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Um, which one is it, though? Ooh. Man, is that Winter Soldier? Correct, it's Winter Soldier. All right. Okay, number three. Ooh, uh, Seven Samurai. No. Oh, is it Hidden Fortress? It's Hidden Fortress. Damn! <laughs> Damn you! Okay, number four. Oh, I just read the morning papers this morning. This is John Rhys Davis as Sola in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Correct. Oh, great character. Love that. Indiana was the dog. Okay, number five. Oh, Knives Out. It's got to be Knives Great Out. Great film. It is Knives Out, correct. Oh, such a good film. Really enjoyed Great that. Film. Advise everyone I know to see it. Every time I see anyone I know that I know hasn't seen it, I say, I've seen Knives Out. And be sure to check out our review of it on our website. Absolutely. Uh, number six. Ooh, that is James Coburn in a Western. Ooh, which one is that? Man alive, this one's tough. I don't know. Pass. What film's that? I'll give you a clue, see if you can get it after the clue. Bob Dylan did the score. Oh, is it? Is it uh, Pat Garrett versus Billy the Kid? Or Pat Garrett and Billy Billy, Billy the Kid, is it? That's correct, yeah. (laughs) Bloody hell. You know, I've seen that film so long ago and I've never gone back to it because I didn't really rank it, but uh, there we go. You got me there, buddy. Okay, number seven. Uh, this guy, he played, uh, I know he played um, Blofeld in one of the Bonds, didn't he? He did. I can't remember the actor's name. He's a really good actor, though. He's been in loads of stuff. I think he's like a British guy. Um, I don't know what this film is, though. I haven't got a clue. It's actually the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, there we go. That's why. <laughs> I'm not a fan. 
It was all right. I watched it once. I wasn't. It wasn't my favorite musical, to be honest. It's a guy who kind of gives the instructions for the like time warp during that. It's just the jump to the left. Put your hands on your hips. Yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. I remember dancing to that uh, song uh, at school discos many times, but that's about as close as I get to it. Okay, number eight. Number eight. Oh my god, you've not made this easy this week, mate. Uh, well done. It's really difficult. Um, Doctor Strange Love. No, but earlier than that. Oh god. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front. No, is it nah. some sort of comedy? It is, yeah. Hmm. No, I don't know what it is. It's The Great Dictator. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course it is. Oh, man, I should have <laughs> known that. That's a good good, uh, good still there. That's the uh, giant, the shell from the giant cannon. I re- That's it. I remember now you said it. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay, number nine. Kingsley Ned Zizou, uh, your correspondent stock arrived. That's one of my favorite films, uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Correct. Kingsley Ned Zizou. Great. And the last one, number 10. As Vertigo. Vertigo, the Alfred Hitchcock classic. Yeah. Of course. Very cool. Well. Um, there we go. Six out of ten Oof. this week. <laughs> you got, it was a good trickier. one. No, fair dues. It should be tricky. And there's some of them I should have got The Great Dictator. Why, why I even said Dr. Strangelove? I think I was thinking of sl- <laughs> Slim Pickens, you know, at the end, riding down on that bomb. Oh, just yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, good one. Okay, uh, it's time for Top 5. This is where Dave and I will list off our top five films of a certain genre or by a certain actor or actress or whatever. So this week's topic is World War II movies. Uh, straight in, at number five, I have got the classic with Clint Eastwood and Richard Burton, Where Eagles Dare. Ooh, great choice. And just great for choice. Kenny Palermo, if he's watching, I'm just going to say, shit down, Colonel. Because uh, <laughs> we love that line. Classic film. Uh, I went for The Dirty Dozen. Oh, yeah. Hadn't even occurred to me as a great film, that. Yeah, just one of those kind of more well, raucous films. Yeah, it's a bit more fun, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Always loved it as a kid. Classic. All right. Number four, I have got the classic Downfall. Hitler ah. in his bunker going mad. Everybody knows the famous meme. Do you know, that didn't even come to my head as I was doing this list. Mm. Absolute classic. Powerful film. Probably the best portrayal of, of Hitler on film, I think. Yeah. Shows what a the most accurate. crazy bad was. What about, what about you, number four? Well, for number four, I went with... Um, the Longest Day. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, Massive cast. Yeah, just the scale and It was scope like of everybody it, who didn't fight in World War Two in a movie about World War II. <laughs> <laughs> it's got my favourite kind of opening sequence to a war movie for uh, for me. I think it's uh, really well done. Great music and that kind of build-up of all the different elements that are happening on the day, you know. Cool. Classic. All right. Number three, I put Schindler's List. Not, Absolute classic. I mean, not everybody would would not rush to think of it as a World War Two movie, but it is. It is absolutely a World it War is. II movie. Yeah, and you know, with the um, for me, the, the Holocaust, the most tragic part of um, World War Two, really. And I just wanted to, you know, to put that one in there. I mean, you know, that whole debate about Holocaust movies, etc., is for another time. But 
yeah, that's why I did number three anyway. It's one of my favorite all-time films. It is truly heartbreaking film and uh, a fantastic piece of cinema. Absolutely. I uh, went for Das Boot for number oh, three. Yeah. Um, is that about that guy who loses his boot in the, in the train? <laughs> Uh, obviously set on the submarine, German submarine during World War Wolfgang II. Wolfgang Peterson. Know, absolutely breathtaking film. I think it's um, it's one of those films that really captures the claustrophobia of I think being in such it's a situation. the ultimate you know. submarine movie, isn't it? There are it a is. few. Absolutely Hunter Red October, K-19, Widowmaker. Probably earlier ones as well, but Das Boot is that's the, one the one that's, yeah. Okay, uh, number two, I got A Bridge Too Far, Richard Attenborough classic. Ah, yes. Gets slated a lot. Um for some reason or another, people don't tend to resonate with it for whatever reason. But I always loved it. I always enjoyed it. Um, it's got some, again, uh, ensemble cast. You've got Michael Caine, Sean Connery. Um, you've got Anthony Hopkins plays a great role in that. Robert Redford, James Kahn's in there. I love I love all the little vignettes and stuff. And, you know, for me. And great set pieces. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's, a, it's one of them films that's. That bit where uh, Redford, Robert Redford with all his uh, Marines and they've got to get across the river in those uh, crappy little boats and he's, Hail Mary, full of grace. Hail Mary, <laughs> full of grace. It's just, yeah, brilliant, brilliant it's, filmmaking. It's great. Yeah. Great film. Okay, uh, so that was my number two. Um, what about you? Um, I went with uh, David Lean's uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, what a great film. Bit more of a kind of character piece as, as kind of a war movie but um, yeah it's different yeah, isn't it yeah really different Alec Guinness's great performance um, also covers really... that um, forced slavery of the POWs under the Japanese rule over there true story true story and it's a really kind of it's, you know, obviously it's a kind of one of epic films from from back in the, those days and uh, just a really interesting kind of character study of a man that's just hard to pin down you know mm. it's not not good, not bad. What have Just I done? Lots of facets. Okay, and that leaves us with the top slot. Do you want to go first? Tell me your number one movie. So I, I debated this quite a lot because I love World War Two movies and I couldn't pin down... It's hard to pin down the five and then I eventually settled on Saving Private Ryan. You know, just... It's one of the films that speaks for itself, isn't it? That opening sequence is... That is warfare yeah. on film, really. It draws a lot of criticism, again, I think, because of the story in the middle. Some people just didn't get on with that for whatever reason people that usually you know are spielberg haters basically but i thought it was a great film i thought that was a good way to carry us from the d-day landings to you know the the battle at the end i mean everybody says that opening sequence on the beach is you know incredibly realistic which it is and it's harrowing to watch but i always found that battle in 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 the um, in the town at the end later on wow. yes just incredibly intense but as my number one movie, uh, uh, World War Two movie, I picked Come and See, which is, you know, that same intensity that I just spoke about in that scene. From, it's like that from start to finish. It's Russian film, obviously. Uh, I know you haven't seen it yet. I keep uh, on yeah. at you to see it. But it's which not, it, it's not an easy film to watch, though. You know, it's very harrowing. It's told through the eyes of a very young boy who becomes a partisan fighter with some of the um, forces uh over uh, in the Russian quarter and they go up against the Nazis and it's just about his harrowing experiences over uh, a short period and he goes from looking, you know, fresh-faced, smiling 12-year-old boy to looking like an old man by the end of the film and he's only aged a few months but 
Oof, that jeez, yeah, it's a difficult film to watch, but it's for me that was the that was the best. Well, there we go, ten really great and very different World War Two movies. There, I think, yeah, uh, all worth a watch. All worth a watch if you haven't seen them, and um, if you think there's ones we've missed, do let us know in the comments yeah, below. Please let us know um, your favourites. That's it. And now we come to shorts and shout-outs, the part of the show where we talk about independent cinema and give a shout-out to some of our friends on film Twitter. Uh, we kick things off with just a short film that uh, we came across this week called Group B uh, by Nick Rowland. It's about five years old now, but it was a, it's a British short film um, produced through the National Film and Television School. Um, a really interesting film. Um, it's about this lad who's a rally driver, and he um, this is his first race back. Uh, in quite a while after his previous race ended in an accident and his co-driver died during an accident. And so the film, although staged around this idea of it being a, a rally race, uh, and obviously there's some great cinematography and set pieces going on, you know, very kind of rush feel to it, you know. Um, it's not really about that. It's about the inner turmoil of this character trying to deal with the fact he's lost his friend and he's obviously very anxious about being back on the track and in another race um, and kind of deals with survivor's guilt more than anything else. So really great film, nice little performances. It's not like a dialogue-heavy film. You know, it's a very picturesque short film kind of painting the emotions, you know, and conveying the emotions through the performance. Really interesting little film that's well worth checking out. We'll leave a link in the description below for... Um, for you to see it, it's on Vimeo, and uh, yeah, just really great film to go and check out. Absolutely, well, that sounds great. I'll be checking that out as well. Um, I just wanted to mention as well, uh, Netflix did a thing over the summer. I don't know if you saw. This was more on the sort of short films uh, side of things, uh, not so much independent because they got a load of uh, big names in to kind of get involved in the project. But um, yeah, it's called Homemade, and the idea was to create a a bunch of short films about life in lockdown because obviously this that's been the big thing this year for everybody around the world that you know one way or another people have had to experience some form of lockdown during the pandemic so uh yeah as i say it's on netflix there's um a bunch of different short films Kristen stewart's in one of them a little bit of criticism as well about it being a little bit indulgent and not um looking at the true hardships that some people will have faced being in isolation which i think is fair enough but also it's it's worth i think uh worth a look at especially for aspiring filmmakers to to be inspired by that kind of short form content where they can just it make something at home you know just just make something just get your camera out get an idea and start shooting and make a film you don't it doesn't always have to be on location and have loads of actors in and 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 have all this intricacies you can just get a good a good concept an idea and a small idea and you could make something yourself at home and i thought for that reason it's kind of worth mentioning and to have a look at and inspire maybe some young filmmakers yeah it sounds good i had to go check it out i, I didn't really come across it at the time but no um, i didn't really i think it was in the summer so yeah it's nice that netflix obviously got involved in something like that because obviously it, it promotes uh you know yeah, creating short films and that kind of uh, genre, so it is really good. Yeah, absolutely. That was my thinking. Uh, also, we'd just like to give a shout out to our friends and family over on the film Twitter community. So, obviously, 
big thanks to everybody for your likes, retweets, support of our stuff. We love to uh, see your content, and um, we're learning a lot every week about new films, about new projects, and just generally enjoying the enthusiasm for film and cinema uh, across the Twitter platform. So we'd like to give a shout-out to our good friends Skip Bolden, Tico Romeo, Liam Jackson, Kenny Palermo, and everybody over there at Film Twitter. We love you guys. Okay, it's medication time again. Medication time. Dave, this week's um, topic for Red Pill, Blue Pill is comedies. So get, get yourself ready, prepared, and here we go. Anchorman or 40-year-old virgin? Anchorman. Caddyshack or National Lampoon's Vacation? Ooh, um, Caddyshack. Airplane or Naked Gun? Airplane. Life of Brian or Monty Python's Holy Grail? Life of Brian. Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz. The Hangover or Bridesmaids? The Hangover. Dumb and Dumber or Liar Liar? Liar Liar. Groundhog Day or Planes, Trains and Automobiles? Uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. <laughs> That's one of my favourites. Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein? Blazing Saddles. Coming to America or Uncle Buck? Oh, um, Uncle Buck. Old School or Step Brothers? Mm, Step Brothers. Zoolander or Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder. Raisin Arizona or American Pie? <laughs> I'm going to go for American Pie. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off or The Breakfast Club? The Breakfast Club. I can see the disappointment in your face, Greg. Wayne's World <laughs> or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Uh, Wayne's World. Happy Gilmore or Team America World Police? Team America World Police. Uh, the Simpsons or South Park? Obviously the movies. Um, for the movies, South Park. Tootsie or Mrs. Doubtfire? Mrs. Doubtfire. With Nail and I or A Fish Called Wonder? With Nail and I. Ali G or Borat? Ali G. Ealing comedy or carry-ons? Ealing comedies. The Blues Brothers or the Free Amigos? Ooh, I'll go with Blues Brothers. And to finish us off, Chaplin or Keaton? Hmm, no, Chaplin. There we go. That's that's all your pills this week. You have been medicated. I've been medicated. There's some tricky ones in there. Yeah, hmm. Yeah, let us know in the comments what you thought. If you thought Dave was wrong, he was very, very wrong about some stuff there, <laughs> then let us know which ones. It's all a matter of taste. It is. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us again here on The Movie Show by the Cinema Plus Podcast. I've been David Roberts, and that's been Greg Fisher joining me for the show today. Thanks, Dave. Um, it's been great chatting with you, Greg. You too, I hope man. you've enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Remember to leave your comments below. Let us know what you think. And remember to subscribe and press the bell icon for notifications. And that's it for us this week. Be sure to join us again next week for the movie show. <laughs>